When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Larry H. Russell. Thank you for downloading another edition of Celtics Beat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our sponsors, the home of online video tutorials, lynda.com and Casper. Casper's mattresses are premium mattresses for a fraction of the price because everyone deserves a great night's sleep. And to get $50 off any mattress purchase at casper.com, visit casper.com slash Celtics and enter promo code Celtics. Today is Sunday, November 15th, and this is Celtics Speed on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Today's guest, welcome back for appearance number four, one of the preeminent personalities on college basketball. For my money, the most knowledgeable man going on prospects in the national media across the country, and for good reason, few travel and study and put in the time like this guy does. That is Jeff Goodman, basketball insider for ESPN and ESPN.com. Coming up a little later in this episode, number 131, which today is being brought to you by Linda Casper and Tick IQ. TIQIQ already has the cheapest tickets for all Boston sports. And now with their mobile app, you can save up to 10% more on tickets to any live event. You can set price alerts to be notified when tickets within your price range become available, as well as see all the top deals for games at the Garden, Gillette, and on the road. They aggregate all ticket sellers on one platform and have the most competitive prices out there. Head to the Apple App Store to download the Tick IQ app and start saving today. That is T-I-Q-I-Q. Use the promo code BOSTON for 10% off your first purchase. Or you can check on in on us. We have contests throughout the year, free tickets, free memorabilia, whatnot. Just stay tuned. But we gave out some Atlanta Hawks tickets for Friday's game. Oh, what a lucky winner as they saw unquestionably the Celtics' best performance of this young season. Obviously, stay tuned for future contests to win tickets and other stuff. Whatever. Hopefully, stay tuned to the rest of the show as it has been yet another up-and-down week for the Celtics. But Friday night, the Celtics did cap off said up-and-down week. An up-and-down season thus far, as many of us expected, primarily early on here. But the Celtics got themselves a big, big win against one of the best teams in the conference. One of the best teams in the league, actually. The Atlanta Hawks, 106-93. to And I think a lot of us, particularly after this week, this I, I tell you, if you could watch just three games of this Celtics season so far, and maybe even for this first month, month and a half of this season, it would be the three games that you saw this past week. I mean, wow. Now, I know the simplistic way of looking at each game and judging by how you felt after each of these performances, starting with the good, the solid wire-to-wire game on the road against the Bucks, then coming back home and falling flat on their face against Indiana the following night, and then Friday night, the, the easy way to look at each game, look back on this week, and the first, what is it, two and a half weeks of this season, is to kind of throw your hands up in the air and just be like, I have no idea where this team is at. And that's really how I felt after Wednesday, the game against Indiana. They get that nice win against the Bucks, 
which if you listen to last week's show, and if you haven't, check out our archives at by searching Celtics Beat on iTunes, Stitcher, as well as CLNSRadio.com. You listen to last week's show with Gary Wolfel. While I've never been one to make predictions, you would have been correct if you believed I was operating under the assumption that I felt the Celtics would not come out of that game in Milwaukee with the W. They got it, and they got it emphatically. And I was wrong because that was a great game, a great team win against what we think is a playoff team, a borderline playoff team. They were one last year, and they did so in a very impressive fashion, as any road win against a playoff team is good for any team. But to do so in the manner where they did, where they never let the Bucks challenge them pretty much throughout the night, they had a great second half. But you're coming off Tuesday, whether you're a fan or anyone looking at the Celtics from a naked eye, they closed the previous week with a strong with what was at their time the best win of the season, a dominant performance against Washington. You're coming off Tuesday. The team is back at 500 after winning games against back-to-back playoff teams. You return home. Yes, it's a back-to-back, but remember the team in recent history under Coach Brad Stevens has actually performed better in back-to-back games than when they've gotten a day or two off, even three off for that matter. It was what you would think was a semi-revenge game after they had just beat you a few days prior. They, being the Indiana Pacers, Wednesday night at home, it's like, okay, they're going to do it. They're going to grab this win, get a little breakthrough here, build some momentum, get over 500 for the first time in Brad Stevens' coaching career, sans the first game of the season. And then they just, like I said earlier, you hear it a lot, but they were freaking flat. And everything they did was just, I mean, the fourth quarter execution offensively, it was putrid. It was it was ugly, and it was to me it actually it bordered on unwatchable. It was very very frustrating. Yes, Paul George, in the words of Brad Stevens, had a game we all remember. Paul George was once capable of having before his injury. Paul George played like a superstar, and after those games too, which I tell you, you don't mean to, need me to tell you this as well. But that will not be the first time that will happen this year or the last time. Another team's upper echelon player playing like an elite player that they are. And, oh, geez, who do the Celtics play today? Ah, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Heard they got some good players. But that is not going to be the last time that happens this year, where another elite player just outperforms multiple different players on the Celtics roster. And pretty much every time the reaction from fans and the media is going to be, see, this is why the Celtics need an elite player. Yeah, Jesus, guys, no freaking shit. We know the Celtics know that. We know but you don't just press a button and they appear. But still, Tuesday, you're feeling good. Wednesday serves as a reality check. The Celtics team, with its calvocate of good players up and down the roster, which are capable but not cannot be counted upon to have great nights every night. It's a serious reality check, especially since it occurred at home. And after that game, that's even when I threw my hands up and I fully expected to come on this show today. We're halfway through the month of November here. It's the 15th. Fully expected to come on to you this Sunday, likely after a loss against the Hawks, and tell you, I don't have a freaking clue where this team is at. I don't know how to analyze it. Granted, it has been two and a half weeks in, granted before the season. I thought the first month, month and a half was going to be tough, not just as Brad Stevens would need to see how, which new faces, which certain players would work well together, get things organized and sorted out, all while the team had to play a bundle of games and a bundle of games against good opponents, no less, i.e. Friday, i.e. today. And that would likely cause a slow start, whereas fans, you're just hoping they'd shred water and still do, as a matter of fact. But Wednesday, I was I was utterly discombobulated, if that's the word we want to use, especially with a few injuries here. Avery Bradley, uh, Marcus Smart, he just got back. Thomas has been starting. He's played very well, but 
Is it best that he's a starter? I don't know. David Lee, he's now been on the bench. He had a few decent games earlier in the week, but what does he do? It's still very messy there. But coming out of that game Wednesday, Friday, boom. As I said, best performance of the season, no question. Most encouraging part from that game was not the individual performances by certain players, which we will get to in a minute here, but the most encouraging aspect was that the Celts out-executed a team that is most assuredly the the best well, I don't know, is that a good phrase? The best well-coached, the best executing team in the conference, the Atlanta Hawks, the Bret Hart of the NBA, except this is not scripted. They out-execute the Hawks when it mattered in crunch time down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I was very impressed to see a young team like the Celtics do that against a veteran team, especially when the Hawks cut that 15-point lead down to three pretty quickly. I, I actually thought the Celtics were done. Uh, and we see this all the time in the NBA, all the time in recent years with the Celtics, particularly at the beginning of last year, if you remember, a good veteran team like Atlanta kind of just comes, you know, the cruising along, you know, the laying in the weeds, Celtics, you know, they can get up big. But then set opposing team, good team, they make their run. And a young team, I like the Celtics, they will, and they just get outclassed in the end. Fought. That was by far the most encouraging part of the game. The fact that that did not happen, the complete opposite happened. The Celtics were the team that outclassed and out-executed the Hawks when it mattered the most. The Celts moved the ball. They got great shots down the stretch against a good defense, by the way. Those looks Isaiah Thomas got, which he converted upon, those back-to-back threes that stretched the lead. Obviously, that pretty much was the game right there. Boston essentially shut them out after that. I don't think the Hawks had a point in the last few minutes. I was very impressed with that. And that game, well, this whole week, we now know, and I would like to thank David, David from our Facebook page, who before the Hawks game, we were discussing the game, and I wasn't too excited about the prospects of what was going to happen that night, reminded me of how I always thought that we should all be thinking regarding this team, and this week showed it to a T. These three games, win and lose this past week, we now know this is a team of good players, good, not great, but no one is bad. Some teams do have bad players in the rotation. The Celtics are not one of those teams. The Celtics are a team of good players up and down. Good players, that means they can be great on one night and not so great the next. Some nights like Friday, where you get big games pretty much from the entire starting five, Kelly Olenek off the bench, you get multiple big performances, and on those nights, where in, which there will be, and we saw it Friday, Celtics can beat anybody. And on those nights, you're going to be coming out of there thinking that they're world beaters. And I tell you, you must refrain yourself from thinking along the lines of, geez, why can't they do this every night? Oh, why can't the Celtics shoot 66% from the field in the second half as they did against one of the best teams in the NBA? Because they can't. But you get multiple great performances from a few of your players. Just law of averages, odds are sometimes those nights are going to happen. And when they do, the Celtics have a very good possibility of winning the game no matter the opponent. Other nights, well, your roster of good players, maybe just one or two contribute or God forbid nobody. And if that is the case, this team could lose to just about anybody in the NBA, maybe besides Philadelphia or the Nets. Oh. They're probably not NBA teams anyway, so we don't have to refer to them. But no one's picking up the slack 
when you have those nights. And that has a trickle-down effect on the whole roster. Like it did back on Wednesday, I thought, against Indiana, where it really looked as if the team was down on itself. And the Raptors game, the second game of the year, was another example. There, there was just no confidence on anybody. And without that, the offensive flow, there was none. Just no rhythm, no ball movement. You know, go figure. Friday night against a very solid defensive unit in Atlanta. The Celtics are moving the ball like the Globetrotters on some occasions. Wednesday night against a lesser opponent, the team is flat, and it just affects the basic execution. And they're operating as if Tony Delk's their starting point guard for all 48 minutes. And that's really all it is It is to it. It can't be any simpler than that. You get some of these great games from your good players. Your good players can't play well every single night. You just hope that it's a case of three different guys every single night, and hopefully it just sort of works out. It's almost mud against the wall. But you get your great games. The team can, eat, can beat anybody. Don't come out of those games saying, well, I hope Kelly Olynyk can build upon this. Guys, he can't. It's two-plus years in the league. Kelly is Kelly. He's just not mentally tough enough to be a consistent rock and be that Swiss Army knife, unique big guy that helps mix things up for you off the bench every single night. You take the good with the bad with him. If he's feeling good, you know, if he's just feeling good just personally, he's like a poor man's Dirk Nowitzki. If he doesn't, if he's punching the mouth, well, then he may as well be in the circus. He's a nice player and there's you can say that for a lot of guys a lot of nice players and they're going to have nights where you just say wow I wish they could do this every night but as I said difference between good and great great does it every night good does it here and there but these other players Kelly Olenek along with these other guys this team they could really take down anybody Hawks both this and remember they beat them last year at home as well in February Celtics nearly knocked off Golden State when they got a lot of performances but that is if the majority of these good players revert to mediocrity on any given night well so does the rest of the team there it is it's probably not what we want actually it's definitely not what we want but from an entertainment standpoint it makes each and every game unpredictable so i guess we get that out of it q quoting forrest gump here so today as i mentioned a little earlier in the show celtics have another daunting task on the agenda where they will face off against two of the five or six best players in the league in their gym Definitely not going to be easy, although I guess we now know we can't write the Celtics off of any game. But once again, this would be a pleasant surprise if the Celtics do win this game. But it is time for our Celtics pregame segment. Special guest, Justin Poulin, former host of the Celtics Stuff Live podcast, now chipping in here at CLNS Radio. Our Celtics pregame segment is brought to you by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. The holiday season is fast approaching, and Thanksgiving dinner with family and friends is just a couple weeks away. Looking for the best bird you can put as the centerpiece of your table for Thanksgiving and do your namesake proud? Well, then your best bet is to purchase a certified organic whole turkey at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. AFN's turkeys are humanely treated, free-ranging turkeys raised and harvested on small family farms with no GMOs, antibiotics, or growth hormones. Their organically fed diets leads to a healthy lifestyle, which means an even more delicious Thanksgiving meal for you and your family and one of the healthiest meal options out there. AFN's turkeys also come in all shapes and sizes, ranging from 10 to 14 pounds to accommodate just about anybody. Special deals available now, so don't wait long. You don't want to miss out on AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. That's AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Celebrate Thanksgiving with a turkey from America Farmers Network. Great holiday. Celebrate the pioneers of this country. Very thankful for them. Thankful for the pioneers of Celtics podcasting. Justin Poulin 
Welcome into Celtics Beat. Hey, Larry. Thanks for having me. It, uh, it's an exciting time. The team's back to, to 500, and I guess we'll, uh, we'll see if they can string together some consistency over this tough start to the season. I think I speak for everyone to say that we are thrilled to have you back on the airwaves, particularly here at CLNS Radio. But today we got you here to talk about tonight's game, probably the toughest test so far in this young season. Yes, they did play the Spurs, but this one's on the road against a perennial contender, although I'm not sure of Durant's status, likely out, but you never know in sports. Either way, it's easy to chalk this one up as a loss. But I tell you what, before the week, I would have gone, okay, in Milwaukee, that's a loss. Home against Indiana, they'll get that. Atlanta, that's probably a loss, one and two. Complete opposite happened. But that solely comes down to what I just talked about in the opener, where if the Celts get great contributions from five to six of their good players, they can beat anybody, anywhere. Now, whereas if they don't, like back on Wednesday, no matter who the opponent, with only a few guys being positive factors, it not only is not enough muster to take down a team, but it just disrupts the entire flow of the team. Is that not an accurate assessment, even heading into tonight's tough game? Well, and you know what? The Celtics really haven't played consistently yet to this season. So it is sort of like the Forrest Gump effect where, you know, they're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get right now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, just, I just talked about like use that exact same Did you really? phrase in the <laughs> That's open. hilarious. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's, here's the way I look at it. You know, we got a break because Durant's going to be out again. And the last time these two teams matched up was in March of last year. And same deal, Durant was out. And what we've seen in the last two games, and I know Durant went out two games ago. He played about 16 minutes. But Westbrook has triple doubles in both games that Durant hasn't been able to play or hasn't been able to play a full game. And that's what they had to do last year for 55 games on the season without Durant. And he certainly has the ability to take over. But we have Marcus Smart. And I could tell you in that game, March 18th last year, Marcus had an, a phenomenal game, and he definitely played great defense on Westbrook. Westbrook's given up an inch and 20 pounds to Marcus Smart, and I think that's going to be a very key matchup. If you look at it, Mar uh, Russell went one for six from three-point land in that game in March. He shot eight for 26 from the field. Now, he's going to get it done by getting to the line, and he had 22 free-throw attempts. So he's still got his 36 and 10. In that game, and he had five steals. He's going to be active, but I also know that the Celtics have significantly upgraded their front court. And if they do what they did in the last game, and they work that ball inside, and they don't give up on it, and they fight for hard-fought offensive rebounds, you're absolutely right. They have a chance to steal this one. You just totally re-triggered my memory of Smart's game down there last year. I remember reading a lot of stories heading into that game, how up he was for that game, buying all these tickets for his family members, his hometown, his homecoming, and he did have a great performance. So suffice to say, when it comes to neutralizing Russell Westbrook, it would be nice if the Celtics get that Marcus Smart, that adrenaline rush. Oh, absolutely. And that game last year, I mean, he really did have a phenomenal performance because it was 25-9, and then he had five assists, two steals, two blocks. I mean, he really impacted the game on every level. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I, I'm not sure where Avery Bradley's going to be at, but I really think the Celtics team is going to need some length. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Evan Turner stay in that starting lineup. And we know Brad Stevens likes him. And uh, that would help share the load on distributing and setting up the offense, which is what I think Marcus is going to need, right? We have to set – Brad Stevens is going to have to set him up for success so that he can focus on putting in that defensive effort, so that he can focus on, you know, all, all aspects of the game. And really, if, if Marcus is expected to run the offense – 
he's going to he's going to struggle. He's going to get tired. I mean, I know he's got a high drive. He's got a high motor, but it's a lot to take on Westbrook. He's going to need some help and and he's going to need length in that regard. And the the backup guards for uh, OKC, they're long. They're definitely quick, and so I just think Evan Turner is going to be the guy to help out Marcus Smart. I don't know how you, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think it's going to be crucial that they have a, a little bit of a taller, a taller line, uh, somebody you can see over the defense to help feed the paint because that's something else. You know, Jared Sullinger wasn't even healthy for that game last year. Celtics only lost by four points, and the way Sully's been playing, he could be a difference maker because I see OKC being a little weak in that front court, and I think we could exploit it. I actually think really what it comes down to from a team standpoint, and obviously, you know, what it really comes down to is you got to get contributions from five to six guys. But the Celtics, even against Atlanta, once again, still slow start. You can get away with slow starts, even against very good teams like the Atlanta Hawks at home. On the road, different story. You can't have your starters getting you in 12-point holes early in the first quarter and having these uphill climbs. Uphill climbs on the road, let alone against a good team. Once again, very simple analysis on my part, but goes without saying, Celtics have to find a way to get off the schneid in that aspect. That's yeah, stop shooting three-pointers. All these games, that has been the weakness through all these yep. games. Yeah, stop shooting three-pointers out the gate. Work the ball inside, do the inside-out game, keep it, keep it in there, establish it. You know, if you're going to have a slow start and it's because you're getting fouled, maybe you're missing a couple of free throws, uh, but they have to go inside. The, the three-point shooting, they're not even shooting 30% on the season. It's been miserable, and they need to get themselves warmed up, going inside, moving the ball, and then that'll open up the shots in the right spots around the perimeter. Eventually, they're going to fall, but you know, I just they need to heat up before they start shooting those threes because there isn't anybody on this team other than Jared Sullinger that is going to be really effective or has been really effective from three point from the three point line. I mean even Isaiah Thomas is struggling significantly. He is less than thirty percent three point shooting percentage. So if they get forced out to the perimeter, they settle for those three point shots right now, I think that's going to be the death of the first half. When they get inside, they're more likely to get those offensive rebounds. Like you said, we saw that against the Hawks. That's what they have to do. And again, Oklahoma City is not strong in the middle. This is an area where they can exploit that um, soft defense. I, I know Abaka's uh, a very good defender, but Steven Adams, I mean, come on. So they have the size. Sullinger should be a big, big factor in that game, and he should be in the paint. They can look at three-point percentage, you know, after they get into the second quarter, once they're feeling good about themselves. But that first quarter really, really should limit outside shooting. Justin Poulin, thank you so much for joining us. That was the Celtics pregame segment, which is tonight against the Oklahoma City Thunder, presented by AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. We will be back after a very brief word with ESPN's Jeff Goodman. Cruise back to the 80s on the first ever 80s cruise. That's right. Seven days in the most radical party to ever hit the high seas with a totally awesome lineup of artists that define the sound of the decade. Join Huey Lewis in the News, Richard Marks, Starship, Cool in the Gang, A Flock of Seagulls, Modern English, Naked Eyes, Tiffany, Wang Chung, and Jesse's Girl, the ultimate 80s party band, and the original MTV VJs, Nina Blackwood, Mark Goodman, and Alan Hunter. As we cruise to exotic ports of core like Grand Turk, San Juan, St. Thomas, and the private island of Half Moon Key, we're going all out by building an 80s video game arcade with Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, 
and of course Pac-Man, showing movies like Ferris Bueller and Pretty in Pink, and there'll even be a VJ contest. Don't forget to pack your best 80s looks because we're having a prom night, a movie costume party, pajama party, and neon beach party. You can't miss this. Sailing from February 28th through March 6th, 2016 for the most gnarly vacation ever. For more information, log on to the80scruise.com or call 844-384-8080. I hope I don't start getting feedback from our listeners. Of course, we are free to do so, as you uh, will, and offer us any sorts of what you'd like to hear. But I'm not sure what I'm going to do with emails or tweets or Facebook messages that ask why I did not discuss DeMarcus Cousins' ad nauseum so far on this week's show and why or why not the Celtics should get him. I must confess, I usually like to wait for there to be some, some substantial evidence of actual discussion taking place between two parties before we do delve into this rumor and devote any cherished airtime to possible Celtics acquisitions. But until this guy is actually on this block, I'll say this ahead of time, only these types of talks in passing, and if or not, I'd like to see him in Boston, which I actually, I would. I'll actually probably run this, his name by our next guest, because I do value his opinion on this certain player, but I think in terms of timing, bringing our next guest on, could not be any better, what, with college basketball getting underway. Almost all the top teams have or will play this weekend, so let's welcome him back, Jeff Goodman, basketball insider for ESPN and ESPN.com. Our interview with Jeff is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper's Mattress is an obsessively engineered mattress using two technologies, latex and memory foam, which come together for better nights and brighter days. It's a comfortable mattress that has just the right sink and bounce. A Casper mattress provides long-lasting comfort and support, and you can buy it easily online and completely risk-free. Casper offers free delivery and painless returns within a 100-day period, so you don't have to lie down in the showroom and avoid that middleman. Get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king-size mattress, and you can save an additional $50 as one of our audience members by going to casper.com slash Celtics and entering the promo code Celtics. Again, to get $50 off your first mattress purchase, casper.com slash Celtics and enter the promo code Celtics. Jeff, you now officially have the record for appearances here on Celtics Beat Podcast. Pat yourself on the back. Nice, nice. I did not know that. Who's second? Uh, we have, you know? we have uh, an endless. A lot of people tied at three. <laughs> I mean, like, right. probably like 10 to 15 guys. I'm a pro. I'm All a right. veteran of, of the podcast. I, I like it. That's good. First citizen, Augustus. But, you, you know, your appearance on this show has always been metaphorical. I'll book you when I believe the Celtics season is over. Two years ago, the Celtics got mashed out west right after the new year, and that sent the season in the trash can, which is where everybody wanted it that year. Last year, I booked you as the Celtics were going to go out west, assuming they were going to get smoked, but then they won back-to-back games and actually sort of initiated the turnaround. Now, this year, we're not even going to wait until the Celtics sputter because we can talk about lottery picks or possible talent throughout the year, because I know you know where I'm getting about this. The Celtics could be literally be picking anywhere between 1 to 20. And, and even better than that, Larry, uh, they have the next pick, which could be top five. 
That's why I, I should be. We're hoping at one. Although I know they got off the schneid this week, and that's once again that was sort of the jinx going at it again. Like they get they got they, you know, they got off the schneid this week. Yeah. As soon as we think going into the weekend they're going to be oh and friggin' eleven or whatever it is. But uh, as long as we all as we all know too, as long as you have one of the three four worst records in the NBA, it's sort of anybody. Got a shot. Yeah, it's that's right. Anybody that's anybody. right. That's all you want. You, you, you know. I, I don't. I don't wish this on anybody, but I'm sure self, Celtics fans are hoping you know Paul Pettis goes down with another injury and uh, uh, you know and see what happens because that that really is going to be uh, maybe as an important pick uh, the Nets and what they do this year might be as important as anything uh, for the future of this organization because they could get a big time player and I'm not saying that there's necessarily Although I think Ben Simmons is a franchise changer. I don't know about the other guys, but there's certainly a major upgrade, and they've got guys that can really come in and help them and maybe be number two guys on this team going forward. I want to talk sort of about the individual college town a little later in this interview as the college basketball games did start to get rolling this week, and I know you've been all over the place. But I want to talk sort of actually about those Nets picks I just had this conversation with a good friend of mine who has a partial stake in the Celtics. You know, he has a small ownership claim in the team. And, he, you know, he tells me, like, if he had say in personnel decisions, he would take the Nets picks, not just this year, but the right to swap next year. So you have control of their pick next year. And again in 2018, almost all of them off the table. Uh, except, obviously, you know, without the unrealistic stuff like, well, if LeBron or Anthony Davis were about, like, forget about that yep. nonsense. But, yep. I, I mean, would you do something like that? Do you think those Nets picks are that valuable, not just this year, but next year and, and the year after where it looks like they have no means to really improve themselves? Would you? Yeah, I mean, it could be. Rip them yeah, off the listen. table in trade discussions? Would I take him up? So, I would. he's saying he wouldn't even think of trading those picks. Basically, yes. Without, without, once no, again, that, no, without that's the nonsense crazy. of okay, that's go ahead. stupid like though. Why, why would you? Why would you ever say I'm not gonna look at trading those picks if you can get a proven player for the next pick in two years, where you have no idea? Now again, it could be. And I love the draft in two years. I think the draft in two years is going to be one of the better ones. Although kid Harry Giles, who I think will be the number one pick, just suffered another knee injury. Um, but, no, I, I would absolutely entertain uh, everything with these picks just because they're valuable. And if you can get a number one player, a, a star-type player, you, of course you trade that next pick in two years and three years. If you can get somebody that you think can be the cornerstone of your franchise, and I'm not sure you can for those picks, but I, I would absolutely entertain it. There's no way I would say those picks are off-limits because – the draft is still, um, to some degree, a crapshoot. And with, with the players that are already in the league, like, listen, if you could get uh, and again, this guy isn't going anywhere, but I'm just talking about a dude, like an Andre Drummond type or somebody like that. You, you, you trade the Nets pick in two years and three years in a heartbeat for Andre Drummond, wouldn't you? Because yeah. you, know you know what you got. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's what you need. He's a dominant impact player. A rebounder. He's 22 years old. Like that's the type of guy you want. 
But I think also really what the, our discussion came down to, and I even entertained it to our Facebook group as well, facebook.com slash Speed for those who want to participate in the discussion, is it's sort of, I mean, it's twofold here. It's, yeah, like you said, like if an Andre Drummond was available, I mean, of course, but in terms of what, right now it seems like there's nobody out there. But even the possibles out there where you imagine scenarios such as, i.e., if Kevin Love doesn't work out in Cleveland, i.e., if Phil does put Carmelo Anthony on the table, uh, or i.e., DeMarcus Cousins, I think that's one. But, I mean, guys like who could potentially are even possible to be obtained on the market, I don't think, and I think that this where where a friend of mine is saying the same thing, that he doesn't think that any of those guys are worth any of the net selections. And that, that's sort of what I'm getting at. It's like, say, Carmelo, would you trade any one of these Nets picks for Carmelo Anthony? Yes, you absolutely. Yeah, yeah and, not, I, and I don't love Carmelo, sure. but absolutely I would do it because the Nets pick in two years could still be the, the seven or eight pick, which is a good player, but not a star. Carmelo is still a star. You know, like, I, I wouldn't take... DeMarcus Cousins in Boston, because frankly, I, I don't think, I'm not a huge fan, uh, I don't think he's the right fit for Brad Stevens. Uh, Carmelo is not a bad, like he's not a, a locker room cancer or anything like that. Yeah, he's a, he, the ball doesn't move out of his hand. I'm not saying Carmelo's the guy. Okay, so I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Carmelo's the guy, but I'm saying a guy like that. Yes, I would trade, in a heartbeat, I would trade the, the Nets pick in two years that you could get in a player and a Celtics player and you could get an established guy who doesn't even have to be Carmelo. It could be, again, a healthy Chandler Parsons type. It could be a, uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to think. I know. That's the problem. They're they're really not out there. That's sort of what there is for discussion. I mean, like a few years ago when James Harden was on, you know, I mean, Oklahoma City wasn't it. We're going to be able to resign them. And they pretty yep. much put him out there for basically best available offer. Sure, if something like that's there, then you consider it. But I mean, if you just look at all the possibilities, they're all right, would just... you do this? Would you do this? If Chicago wanted to trade Derrick Rose, would you trade the next pick? No, for next no, for Rose. You would, no. trade, you would not trade the, the next pick in two years for Derrick Rose. Not a Derrick Rose guy. I think that you know when you have when you have the I couldn't compare him actually to you know Anthony Hardaway on this show. Once you start missing multiple seasons and you don't take care of your body, and your game is, is predicated on his athleticism in the, in the first step that he used to have, say, back in 2011, I just don't think that Rose is really going to have a good second half of his career. And you may person. I'm not doubting that. I'm, I'm not, but I would still trade the, the, the next pick, the swap pick for two years. I would probably roll the dice and, and, and take a shot on Derrick Rose and say you've got your, your potential star. He doesn't even have to be your star star. He can be your, you know, even if he's a number two guy on your team, which they don't have a one, two, three. I mean, that's the one thing with the Celtics. But let's ask this question, okay? And I've asked this to plenty of people, NBA people as well. Give me one guy on the Celtics team right now who would start for 25 other NBA teams. Yeah, no, not, not he's a, not there. Not he's a dominant player. Just start. No, Just no, start. I, I know. Right. He's not. not but I also, if you want to play sort of the, you know, the mathematical game, Jeff, you could just say you have these picks over the course of the next three years, essentially. Yep. Yep. What, do you just sort of like throw mud against the wall and just say, okay, 
Odds are one of these three selections are going to net us one franchise guy. Like one of the years, one of these picks very well could be number one. And if you just keep all three, you know, odds are that, you know, one of them, there's a good, I don't want to say odds are, but there's probably about a 10 to 12% chance, which I think is fairly high, is going to net a number one or number two guy. So in that case, it's sort of like keep him. But then, like I said, if there is a number one player you can obtain on the Oakwood market, i.e. Kevin Garnett in 2007, Gasol a few years ago, Harden, do it. But I don't see that on the horizon, like, at all. And if you talk about trading for Carmelo Anthony, it's like, okay, well, the Celtics have other first-round draft choices. They maybe have some other, you know, tertiary pieces on the roster, like a Marcus Smart or whatever. You know, throw that New York's way and see what they say. But the Nets picks, that's either saved for just an alpha dog or, like I said, roll with it and then, you know, see if they can that, – that pick, Nets, your guy. I wouldn't do it for a, a gamble guy, and a gamble guy's Rose. A gamble's guy is Carmelo Anthony, especially – I'm actually kind of a Carmelo fan. A north of 30, you're 31. Get. You're not going to get you're, – you're, listen, you're not getting – you know, Russell Westbrook or Kevin Durant or Anthony Davis or any any of those elite level players, you're not you're not getting them. You're not getting the top ten. So you've gotta you've gotta almost uh try to think ahead and project and okay, you know, can you get somebody that again, somebody's gonna overpay for, for somebody like Harrison Barnes, right? Harrison Barnes could go in free agency probably and somebody somebody's gonna he's gonna be a restricted free agent. And uh, somebody's going to overpay for Harrison Barnes. Uh, or just maybe, and maybe he can he can fill a bigger role somewhere else than he does in Golden State. Maybe he can be a number two guy on a team. I'm not so sold on that. Uh, but is that what you do? Yeah, I said that a year ago at this time about Draymond Green on this show, no less. Telling, I was right in this. I, on I mean, the show, it, and no, we were kind yeah. of banging home as well. I was with you. So, yeah, and I was like, that's the guy. They just overpay and. and Unfortunately, it didn't matter because Golden State was going to match it because uh, they wanted all and he's, he's become a great overall player. But that's what you got to find. you got to find somebody like that that you overpay, that you see something in that maybe the other teams don't. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's not going to be easy, but I understand your, your, your theory on the Nets picks. I would not put them as untouchable, though, by any means. Yeah, before we obviously move on regarding that, I do want to obviously have the last word since it is technically my show. I think just I would essentially have them untouchable under these present circumstances. Like you said, if there's a top 10 to 12 guy that's on the market, once again, that's not realistic, then they're on the table. But if it's on the table for these you know, other guys, I take them off the table, and I say you roll the dice and see what you know comes out of it. One of the names yep. that you did bring up, because I definitely want to follow up upon this, because his name is always – it's not really in the rumor mill. It's just I think the media sort of puts it in there because you just sort of think that he's someone who could become available, and he's a very polarizing player. I'm a fan of his. Plenty of people who I respect for are you know not the biggest fans of his, and that's DeMarcus Cousins, and he's like the only name that you really see thrown out there. Uh, it's Once again, it's a bit of a fantasy because it sort of looks like Sacramento is just going to exhaust all means in terms of trying to – build that team around DeMarcus Cousins. There was already a word out there that they could fire George Carl, who's been like the coach for like 10 minutes, I think, over there, something like that, like 10, 15 minutes he's been their coach. But could you please just sort of please actually elaborate on 
why you're not a fan of them because I actually am a fan of them. I know plenty of listeners of the show are as well. And there's also one guy many people would actually consider that Nets pick or picks to be traded for. Yeah, I mean, I've seen DeMarcus Cousins play so many times since he was 15 years old. And uh, I just I don't think he's a winning basketball player. Uh, I don't think he's got any leadership capabilities. I think he's already been proven to be a coach killer. Uh, I love his talent. He's so talented. but And I think Brad Stevens and DeMarcus Cousins would be a train wreck. Uh, you know, now, could Brad handle him and, and fake it and say all the right things? Sure, he did that with Rondo. I mean, remember, Brad Stevens has never said a bad word about Rondo. Never. And he never will say a bad word about anybody. That's not him. But I think even the Celtics organization understands that DeMarcus Cousins is not the uh, prototypical Brad Stevens-type player. He's never coached anybody like him before. Uh, I think it would be tough to envision. And, again, the problem is you bring over DeMarcus Cousins without a veteran that could keep him in line. He's flammable. He's flammable. I mean, we've seen it. But, again, he's going to get his second, third coach fired? Second. I guess Mike Malone was fired, but, you know, it wasn't his fault. Yeah, he was a big fan, actually. He was actually pretty upset that they did end up firing Malone. He he wasn't happy. You know, the, the problem is when it's DeMarcus's team, that's the biggest issue. Back in Kentucky, they were pretty good. Remember, they got knocked out by West Virginia. Uh, but it wasn't DeMarcus's team. And if it's DeMarcus's team, I think that's the that's the scary proposition. If you put DeMarcus with on a team with like Kevin Durant or you know Kevin Garnett or somebody that's proven, that's clearly the number one guy or a great leader and we'll keep him in line. I'm okay with that, I guess, but I would man, I would not take DeMarcus Cousins on the Celtics and trade any of those picks for DeMarcus Cousins. He, he would not be the guy that I would go after. Yeah, I've always, at least from afar, now I don't know, you know DeMarcus Cousins infinitely better than me because you saw him before in the NBA that year with Kentucky before. And, of course, I only see him, I'd like to say, two to five times a year, four times a year. Yeah. I don't go out of my way to watch Sacramento Kings games at 1030 at night. But I've also always sort of given him the benefit of the doubt. I do like his, I mean, I don't know, it just, it, it seems like competitiveness when you when you watch it from, a, from afar. And the fact well, he, that. Offensively, he's great. He's great offensively, but watch him defensively. He doesn't guard anybody either. Yeah, but it's like the Kings are such a mess. It's, I mean, the Kings are like playing Tetris when you were younger and you, you, you know, made such just a piece of crap and you're just so ticked off at it you just smash yeah. the reset button and take it instead of hitting your game over so that's sort of like i just sort of just say well he's on the kings the kings are going to be running around in circles forever to just appease or not really appease him but to try to make it work with him but because the organization just doesn't command any respect whatsoever not just from him but from other players i mean they are now the new oakland raiders now that the oakland raiders are okay in the nfl um that it's they have to, you know, they have to hit the reset, and I think that, I don't know, I just with that type of talent, you know, you want to play, you play the percentages games about keeping draft choices and saying, well, one out of the next three, you like to think should odd, a, you know, should net a championship like piece. Likewise, you say, okay, well, I'll roll the dice here, take a chance here on Demarcus Cousins. 
trimming sort of the fat around his edges and becoming his own championship piece as well. But we'll, we'll probably could discuss the whole show, disagree with each other on that. Yeah, yeah. Again, I've, I've seen DeMarcus too many times. I don't trust DeMarcus. Uh, I don't want DeMarcus as my leader. Uh, uh, that would be the end of it for me. One thing, too, I wanted to mention it earlier. I just sort of I briefly jotted it down, too. We were talking about the trades, and it sort of, because it harkened me back to a conversation that I had with Mike Gorman about how when we're talking, you know, it's going to be much harder for the Celtics to acquire that piece or pieces as they did back in 07 because he feels that, and he uses the infamous Charlotte non trade on draft night, that teams are almost afraid of doing deals with Danny Ainge, almost thinking like in that Charlotte trade, trading up what essentially amounted to four first-round draft choices to move up to number nine and pick Justice Winslow, that Charlotte was petrified that there was some sort of boogeyman or a Trojan horse behind the deal. Yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, I think they just, they wanted Winslow. I mean, they want to commit to you. They, they want to commit to you, yeah. You know, they want to commit to you. Yeah. You know, I think they felt like, okay, some of these other picks, what are they worth at the end of the day? I don't even remember which ones it was, but a couple of the late first-rounders. I think there was one Nets pick in there, though, which that didn't okay, have so as much value at the time as we all know now because we look at the right. Nets now as going to be yeah, one most of people, the – Yeah, Right. And, and, and let's see with the Nets still. Let's see if they're a bottom three or five team. I'm not sure I'm ready. You know, listen, right now nobody's catching Philly. Right? We, we can come to that conclusion, right? Philly's going to be the worst. Team they are the worst. And the Nets have had to their – they've had a very hard schedule as well. And, and they're going to have a hard schedule for the next few games too. So it will get easier for them when they start playing some of those East Conference teams at home. But I'm with you. I mean, listen, I, I think the Nets could be a bottom five team. Uh, the one thing is can they, can they make some moves and get better? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at their whole – their team and their, their salary situation and when guys are up, all that. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. Okay. So definitely the number one reason we got you on, just sort of our unofficial, official mini college basketball preview, especially when you're speaking to such a college bit of basketball illiterate like myself. The game's actually officially got underway this weekend. The only team I have to say I really know okay is Kentucky because it's like they're just these – the pre, you know, the preeminent favorite every year. Is that sort of the, the same case this year as well, especially with some of their newest recruiting class? No, not at all. Actually, not at all. Kentucky's one of probably seven or eight teams this year. Uh, they lost a lot from a year ago. They're talented again, but maybe their two best players are freshmen, as usual. Scal Labissier is a kid out of Haiti who's about 6'11", uh, long, thin, uh, skilled. Can block shots, can step out, and make shots, can score a little bit in the post. Got to get tougher. Great kid. And Jamal Murray is a six-five kind of combo guard from Canada. Was not a great, great athlete, uh, but was really, really good in the international competition this past summer and at the Hoop Summit a year ago. So those are their two best players. Their front court is good, but like they have Alex Poitras back, top for torn ACL. You know, he's been there forever. He's probably a second-round pick. Marcus Lee, uh, athletic, gets his chance, probably a second-round pick. They're both athletic but not overly skilled. Tyler Ulysses is their point guard. He's about 5'9", terrific college player. Uh, so Kentucky is going to be good and have a chance to win it all, but they're not going to be the favorite like they have been 
well like they were a year ago uh, for much of the season when they were undefeated. The best player in the country, and my, the best prospect, I should say, the guy that the Celtics should be rooting for if, if the Nets are watching as the Nets tumble here is Ben Simmons of LSU. He's a freshman. He's from Australia. He's six nine and a half, six ten, kind of a point forward. Really, really fast. Great passer. Athletic. Smooth. You know, they asked me to compare all the freshmen to, to somebody else this past week, and I compared them, and I didn't want to. I wanted to compare them to, to be honest, Larry, to Lamar Odom, a young, head-on straight Lamar Odom. But we didn't feel like it was the, the, the right time to do that with what Lamar Odom had been through recently. So, but Lamar Odom back in the day was a unbelievable talent. Six nine, could handle, could pass, uh, long, smooth. That's Ben Simmons. I compare him to LeBron because he's got some of the same passing ability of LeBron. He's not nearly as big and powerful, but he's six nine, six ten, and he's quick and he's skilled and he's not a great shooter yet, kind of like LeBron coming out of uh, out of high school and even early in his NBA career. Yeah, it's interesting, too, that you mentioned Lamar Odom comparison, and we talk about Lamar Odom back at URI, or even those early Clippers days where I felt he was sort of like an underachiever on those Clippers teams. Yep. Like When you looked at the package, you were like, geez, this guy has literally every single skill. But it was just That's the right. case that he just really, I don't know, he just didn't have the mental makeup. I hate using that, uh, you know, phrase to describe like well you just didn't have what it takes but there are some players where you could sort of point at point at that because it gets thrown away yep. too much in the media like oh this guy doesn't have what it takes blah blah blah, blah. you know a rod peyton manning but i mean L- lamar Odom was one of those guys where it's just like you know, the it, what was the old quote the sum of the parts doesn't equal what the package should be that was sort of lamar yep. Odom. but yep. ben simmons and you also mentioned scalabus a little earlier as well Simmons is the franchise guy. Like, LaBrissiere is sort of, you know, he could yes. be, like, a, a good player, but he's not a guy you build a team around. Yeah, I, that, that's my impression now. But, again, we got to wait and see really what happens with Scal this year. Uh, the, the guy that I think could fit what the Celtics need more than anything else is a kid named Jalen Brown, a Cal. He's from Atlanta. He went out to Cal because he played at the same high school as Sharif Abdul-Rahim, uh, who played at Cal. Uh, and is also from Atlanta, from Wheeler High School. And Jalen Brown, I compared to a better version of Stanley Johnson. And, and that means he's a big power wing who is a killer. And he's 6'7", and he's tough, and he can get to the basket finish, and his shot has improved, and all he cares about is winning. Uh, that's the guy that I think, like, if, if the Nets pick is – in the top five, like last year, obviously, even two years ago with, with, with Marky Smart, the problem was, remember, they fell both Smart six. Smart was six, I believe, right? Yes. Right. So they fell out of that top five area. You know, if the Mets can be in that top five, I think you've got some guys that are that are really going to be impactful. Again, Ben Simmons, Scal, uh, there's a kid named Dragon Bender, who is a, uh, a seven-footer. Playing in, in Israel right now, Maccabi Tel Aviv. He came over, played a couple of games in the preseason against NBA teams, and blew people away. Uh, you've also got Chris Dunn, who uh, is Providence point guard. He's long, he's athletic. The problem is, again, I'm not sure Chris Dunn fits what they need. They've got enough point guards that aren't great shooters that are great defensively. So I don't see Chris Dunn being a guy, although they like him. I know they like him. 
I don't necessarily see them wrapped to Chris Dell unless they can move Marcus Smart. And uh, so, again, I think Scal, Ben Simmons, Jalen Brown, Dragon Bender, Jamal Murray, the kid I mentioned. Uh, there's a kid, Brandon Ingram at Duke, who's long, 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 like 6'9", can really, really shoot it. People want to compare him to Kevin Durant. He's not that type of shooter, but he's got the same body, and he could be Duke's best player this year as a freshman. And he's got that upside because, again, he is so long and really, really skilled on the offensive end. I want to go go briefly back to Ben Simmons and just sort of ask it as as a general question. I remember when we had you on the show two years ago, you were a big Jabari Parker guy, and you talked about guys like Parker and Wiggins, who were the two big guys coming out that year. Yeah. And other players as well. You were a big Marcus Smart fan, I remember, on that show as well. And sure enough, yep. the Celtics ended up getting him. But you thought that that draft was going, you know, everybody was a huge fan of that 14 draft class going into that season. Everybody wanted their teams to tank that weren't playoff teams. Yep. And you felt that, that draft was a draft of number two guys, Wiggins and Parker included, Parker being the best quote-unquote number two guy, having like a Paul Pierce-like ceiling. Simmons, is he a better prospect than the guys back in that 14 class and even back now going as back really within the last five years, if you want to even say it that way? I think he can be, yeah. I I do just because he's got a part of his game that those guys don't have, which is the ability to make people better. Uh, He'll become a better shooter. He's gotten tougher. When he came over here, he was a little bit soft and didn't want to take over. But I think part of that was growing up in Australia. Uh, you know, you kind of wait your turn in Australia until you're older and you defer. And Ben Simmons finally played with D'Angelo Russell uh, his junior year of high school and kind of deferred to D'Angelo, who was the number two pick this past year. Uh, he's lost one game in his high school career at Bird Academy, one game. And it's not like they play – I mean, it's a power. They play – I talked to his coach, Kevin Boyle, uh, the other day. He, he estimated they played – out of the 60 or so games that Ben Simmons played, I think it was 62 of one, that they played about 35 ranked teams out of those 60 or some odd games that Ben Simmons played in, in high school. And they lost one to Wheeler, to Jalen Brown's team, who I mentioned earlier. So I, I like Simmons. He's a winner. makes people better. He's got tougher. Um, he's athletic. He's long. He, he's multi-positional which is what the NBA has obviously turned into these days. And you'll see him at LSU this year. They'll run a lot through him. He'll play some point guard. They'll guard ones, twos, threes, fours, fives. Uh, so I, I do think Ben Simmons is upside. Might be higher than anybody's. You know, Andrew Wiggins obviously has so much upside. I just always question, I remember saying this on your podcast, that I always question whether Andrew Wiggins would be a killer each and every night. And, you know, he had two 30-point games last week. Then he sat out the next game. And I just feel like Andrew Wiggins is going to show up uh, some nights, but not all nights. I think Ben Simmons this year college. And, and Wiggins is like that in college. It's one year at Kansas. Remember, he had six points in, in, in the loss to Stanford in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So I, I think Ben Simmons will be a more consistent player with his effort, uh, with his toughness, uh, than any, you know, than Wiggins, and I think, yeah, to answer your question, I think he's got as much outside as anybody who's come out. Yeah, so it's almost like, remember when I even asked you on some prior shows, like, whatever happened to the draft prospects where there was one, like, Anthony Davis, I thought, was pretty much the closest one, 
But you go back to Anthony Davis, there really are no more Ewings or Duncans or David Robinsons or LeBrons, for that matter, in the draft. But it looks like it sounds like you're saying that Ben Simmons is pretty much the closest one to that. Yeah, and again, I would put him at that level where he's a surefire NBA, you know, automatic star. Guy. Yeah, like, yeah. like, you know, he could be, he could be, but and that's the guy you want. I mean, if you're if you're the Celtics this year, you're hoping that the Nets pick is Ben Simmons. I mean, that's ideally. And if you get Ben Simmons, all right, you're in business. If you don't, and you get a top five pick, you still got a chance to get a guy that's a better, more talented than anybody you have in your roster right now. No, there's no question, and that's really what's going to be following the NBA as a Celtics fan, the whole league, that much fun, not just with the Nets, but with Dallas and, and Minnesota and all these other possibilities, and that's obviously going to lead us to yet another opportunity to just, just discuss with you the draft, the college prospects, college basketball. Okay, easiest part, the easiest way for me to get you out of here is to hold you accountable the next time we have you on the show. Going to ask you for your final four prediction. You're on the spot right now, Jeff. I thought you were going to give me, you know, what, what's your prediction for the Celtics this year? No. That's where I thought you were going. Uh, Final Four is, who did I pick? I did pick somebody recently. LSU, I had right? to LSU, pick. Kentucky? No, 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 I didn't go LSU. Uh, I went Michigan State to win it all. I think I had Michigan State, North Carolina. Who did I pick? Boy, I've been, my head's been spinning the last week or so here traveling and writing and everything. I, I picked Michigan State to win it all. Uh, I know I picked Carolina in there, too. I might have picked Cal as well with Jalen Brown and, and another freshman, Adam Rapp, uh, at the fourth one. Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember. Let's, okay. go, with, you get to let's get... go with Kansas. Let's go with Kansas. All right. go with Kansas. Jeff Goodman, ESPN Basketball Insider. Once again, you can check him out on the ESPN Airwaves as well as ESPN.com. And, of course, Twitter at Goodman ESPN. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this once again. You got it, Larry. Enjoy the season. Oh, we will. Hey, I love that conversation. A lot of valuable information in there regarding prospects and some fun debate, too, on all subjects and all levels of basketball. I can't continue it because we are virtually out of time on this week's show, so I'll turn it over to our audience we will wrap it up with our Facebook question of the week presented by Harry's.com. Wake up to Harry's, a better way to shave with cost-effective razors and products designed to give you the highest quality shaving experience possible. Say goodbye to money going down the drain with utterly absurd arm and leg prices for drugstore razor blades and say hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night to the smoothest shave you will have for a minuscule fraction of the price. Not just a fraction, a minuscule fraction of the price. Start shaving and saving today. Simply sign up for an account with harrys.com and get a Truman set, which is Harry's starter kit, for $10, which includes a razor, shaving cream or gel, and one month's worth of blades for, again, all of $10. I repeat, a razor, shaving gel or cream, and one full month's worth of blade for 10 bucks. No tax, no shipping cost within the U.S. I repeat, $10, and if you don't like your first shave, return to Harry's for a full refund. Can't lose here. How do you do it? Enter Celtics as your coupon code upon checkout for a Truman set at harrys.com. Again, that's Celtics upon checkout. Celtics beat audience. Should Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics remove the Brooklyn Nets draft choices from potential trade discussions? Log on to facebook.com slash Celtics beat. Love to hear your response. Love to hear from all of you 
over the course of the week. And before we go, yes, haven't mentioned it at the end of the show, debut of our new show on YouTube. I'm sure you've seen the commercials that have aired on the Garden Report as well as the YouTube CLNS Radio channel. But starting this Wednesday, November 18th, on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, that's youtube.com slash CLNS Radio. I've asked you to subscribe before. Definitely time to ask you to subscribe now, right? I will be hosting Celtics Beat Unfiltered alongside Harris Rubenstein. For more info, log on to clnsradio.com. Or you can always reach out to me, but I actually got to wrap this puppy up right now. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, Joshua Morse, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Love to thank our guest, Jeff Goodman of ESPN, and also Justin Poulin. Thank you for stopping by. Of course, our sponsors, Tick IQ, Linda, Casper, Harry's, and American Farmers Network for making this all possible. For our program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Beat, I am Larry H. Russell. We will be back next week with yet another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio.